Ivor, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. I'm Ira Jersey. I'm here with Jason. Jason, lots of soccer this week. Tons of soccer. Some some good, some not so good. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about all of it, both U.S. Open Cup and all of the USL League One action in just a moment. But first, let's get to USL League One news. So one is USL League Wide. It was announced this week that USL is going to ask the International Football Association Board, which is the rulemaking body for global soccer, to change the laws of the game to allow for substitution for a concussion. The way that the proposed rule would be is that you could put in a player temporarily for a player who was getting the concussion protocol on the sideline, and then if that player were to come out, you would then have that person be a permanent substitute. But if the player on the sideline was not, they would then be able to go back in and ultimately uh, continue. Um, Jason, what do you think about uh, this proposed rule change? Yes, that is my that is my thoughts on it. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Should be across every league in the world. Should be across every sport in the world. There's just been too much research. There's just been too much forefront and active uh, activism towards this, right? And it's so cool to see that USL is once again being the league to kind of be the innovative and forefront and put that into place before everybody else, right? And this is something that needs to be done. A team should not be penalized for you know, not putting their player in long-term risk, right? Bones heal, muscles heal, sometimes brain cells don't, right? And sometimes brain damage doesn't. So, you know, no arguments, smart move. And I hope that this puts pressure on everybody else. I hope that fans of MLS see this and go, hey, why aren't we doing this? And it becomes a talking point. I really think they gave it a lot of thought too, because the way that the that the proposed law change is written, you in the in the event that you don't have an extra substitute and the player is deemed to have had a concussion or be at, at serious risk of concussion, you then take out that substituted player and you you play down. So it's not like you're getting an extra substitute. So right. it would be very difficult, really, to. Um, to abuse this this law, right? So I think that's what some people, when they initially saw it, said they they said, oh well, someone could be faking it just because they want a fourth substitute because they're tired or something. That's actually not what the law says. So you know, at most you could do that for two or three minutes. You wouldn't be able to do it for you know fifteen minutes. So I think personally, they gave it a lot of thought, and I would be really surprised if at the end of the day, IFAB did not give you know different leagues the ability to implement a, a rule similar to this. And this was supposed to be implemented in 2020, right? So next for year. Ne- for next year, yeah. So so IFAB would pro- look at it over the summer. Usually IFAB looks at things over the summer and then makes proposed rule changes, you know, kind of in, in the wintertime. So maybe they would ex- uh, ex- expedite this a little bit in order to get this going for the uh, beginning of the 2020 uh, season. I mean, you'll see some rule changes actually and changes to the law that actually are going into effect for the international game now, where you're going to see goal kicks are going to be different. You're going to see a new offside law, you know, a number of different uh, things going on in uh, in terms of of law changes. So I think this is just one of those that, that will go into effect, hopefully, uh, at the beginning of next year. The second little bit of news, um, I mean, not a huge surprise given that they're at the bottom of the table and uh, some players who haven't been used, but Orlando City dropped two players. You know, Jason, do you have any thoughts about uh, about Joffrey and uh, Ignacio Kubadu, who I don't think we've seen Kubadu at all in, Wait, in League One. Yeah, we haven't. And so 
that I, I, I don't have any opinions on just because we haven't seen him play. But, you know, for Joffrey, he's played in three games. I think he's only played 60 minutes, but I actually liked how he played for those 60 minutes. And so I'm surprised to see that they actually let it go. I don't know. It, it says that it was a mutual agreement. So I don't know if by mutual, it means like, hey, we're letting you go. And mutual means like, oh, okay, well, thanks for let, for telling me. Or if it was one of the things where he said, hey, I'm not getting playing time. And they said, yeah, you're right. You're not. And then they decided to part ways that way. But, you know, that's that's the game. And they're kids, right? So it's not one of those things to where you're a 27, 28 year old is unemployed in a new city and has to try to quickly come up with a new job as a DJ or bartender or whatever's going to pay the bills. Uh, so he'll bounce back and he's in a hub to where there's so many different soccer teams and so many good academies that I'm sure that both of those players will be fine. So finally for a bit of news, not a big surprise because Jason, you called it. Connor Antley was the inaugural player of the month for USL league one. Um, you know, you, you shouted him out very hard last week when, when he was put on the initial list, um, you know, hard to, uh, hard to argue given that you have a right back who has scored two goals, had three assists, had seven chances created. And who, by the way, I spoke with today and we'll have that interview a little bit later in the week since he just joined Weston Shelton from capital combustions joining us tonight. Wesson, do you disagree with this pick? Would you have picked one of the other four? Uh, one of the other four Wesson, people. This, these are your first words ever on League <laughs> One Fun. I highly suggest you take a second and think about what you're about to say because uh, we do have we do have the we do have the uh, option to just hit the X button and go. Okay, well, thanks, Wesson, for joining us. <laughs> well, uh, first off, let me take a beer, sip here. <laughs> People are ready to go. That, um, that is not our official sponsor, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, first off, honor to be on the show. Um, big fan of you guys, so just truly honored. So this is great. Um, try and keep my curse words to a minimum. Try and keep my beer drinking to a minimum. So show. Re- respect you your that. pod. <laughs> I, I, my, my eight-year-old daughter listens to the show. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Con- Connor's uh, you know been really great. Uh, I, I don't really disagree. Yeah, as much as I'd love to say Nick Moon, of course, but. Uh, no, Connor's, you know, the stats are there and Tormenta's played well. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It's just, he's, it's both sides, right? And that's what I look at. It's when you, which player has ultimately played the best soccer, not just for their position, but for their team on both sides. And it's, it's Connor. I do like Nick Moon, though, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so I, I think Connor Antley was, was a good choice. And, uh, so let's get into some of the games though. we have a lot today. So uh, let's try and keep this tight, guys. So just a minute apiece on, on a lot of these matches. Uh, tonight, uh, as we record, there is one live U.S. Open Cup match going on. Uh, we're currently in the 33rd minute with forward Madison up 2-0 on Locomotive. So wow. forward, you are our only hope because the other three USL League One teams who played tonight uh, did not do so well. Um, you know, Weston, we'll save your uh, we'll save your pick for last. Let's look at the, yeah, it'll be the, emotional, so that's good. <laughs> we'll look at we'll look at Chris's lamenting his uh, his Greenville losing two nothing uh, to the Charleston Battery. The Charleston Battery were down basically for seventy ish minutes and uh, came back in the last ten minutes, including on a zero angle goal that ricocheted in the box in the 90th minute. Um, Jason, you and I both watched a bit of this game. You know, did you have any, maybe some positive takeaways for Greenville in in this match? 
So I definitely do because I think Greenville played extremely well for most of this game, dominated possession for most of the game, right? You look at the first five minutes of this game, Greenville already had two shots on goal and had drawn a yellow from Charleston. So they came out the gates looking good. They had quick, precise passing. Um, you know, then in the 29th minute, Hemmings with a beautiful header after a cross, a cross that they connected, ladies and gentlemen, Greenville is, is connecting crosses and props to Walker for that cross because he whipped that in with pace. And that was beautiful, beautiful timing from Hemmings. And hopefully we'll see more of that from Greenville moving forward. But the 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 thing is with Greenville, they when they were pressing and playing faster in the first half and even in the beginning of the second half, they were playing well, and then they started kind of pushing back and pushing back, and they're more effective when they're playing, right? Like their back line in the first half and in the second half even was cross midfield, and that's when they were keeping possessions. They are having crosses. They had great passes. Um, and, and, you know, Kevin Politz being my most consistent defensive player in the league, he was back there, 74th minute. He prevented a goal. You can trust him covering that ground. And then it's just like as soon as they started going back and playing back more, they allowed Charleston to pick up momentum. Charleston started getting tons more chances, especially in the 20th minute or final 20 minutes. And you knew it was coming, right? They just didn't, they, they responded well to the first goal. Um, but they still just kept letting them have chances and chances. And then I know uh, Dallas J has to feel horrible because even though it was a weird shot and a weird deflection, you, you got to catch that. Um, so bounces off of his hands into the net in the 90th minute, just a heartbreak. But as uh, Chris, uh, the very neutral and not Homer at all, Ashley says, um, absolutely gutted for these guys. They deserve this win regardless of the result. They took it to the oldest team in U.S. soccer and pretty good USL championship side, led for 80 minutes and ultimately gave up two late ones. I think this spurs them on to a hot run in league play in the upcoming weeks, which I don't disagree with. I do think that this is what they need, you know, to give them that motivation to start playing, um, you know, more quickly, more aggressively in the league. I still don't know who's finishing, though. Right. Like today. Yeah, and I'm not always, joking. That's always been problem yeah, right? so, yeah and, and I, I agree with you i think charleston quite frankly when they were pressing that was actually an opportunity for greenville to break because they were charleston was playing so high that greenville had they had any kind anyone with pace and in, in a in terms of a number nine or even a winger out there in order to uh, relieve some of that pressure they just didn't have that tonight and i think that that's something that maybe in the future they need to game plan for particularly if you know this is like a playoff game right so you, you have to think about that at the end of the season how are you going to do that weston did you happen to see any of this match or do you have any uh, thoughts no i was at a, i was at the bar so we were just head lancing on but uh i i will just quickly call out Jason for complaining about having to watch this game since I was watching Lansing, you were watching Richmond. He seems like he enjoyed himself. I think he yeah. got the best game. I so was, I was <laughs> I, I was a lot more. I I went on the USL show last night and I said that uh, this would be the game that was probably the slowest all defense. I predicted it was going to either end one zero or one one going into PKs, which I wasn't off by you know too much by, but it was a lot more exciting and I was really impressed by Greenville's attack. They're just missing that final piece. They've got to get a loan in there. They've got to get somebody up top because they have somebody up top. They would easily be the second best team in this league, and I have no kind of doubt in that. And that that was the game I thought was the most likely for some for a USL League One side to win today, just because uh, well, they can slow it down and I, make a drive. I, predict, so. I predicted Ford, you know, because 
Well, it's still, it's, <laughs> I know, it's still, let me chill, let me chill, let's play back, and right. then I gotta, I gotta own up to it. <laughs> so let's talk about the team that actually I'm going to correct Chris a little bit. There is another team that's actually about 18 hours older in terms of when they got to play, but <laughs> Richmond Kickers played against North Carolina FC down in Cary, North Carolina, the 10,000 person stadium that maybe had 200 or 300 people in it tonight, uh, from the looks of it. Uh, but the, the, uh, Red City, um, the, the River City Red Army was uh, was pretty loud. You could actually hear it on the broadcast, so that was pretty cool uh, for those traveling fans. Unfortunately, they didn't get to celebrate very much because North Carolina dropped the four spot on Richmond. It went in 1-1 at halftime. Uh, Richmond looked pretty good, and actually Richmond had a lot of chances. Boateng should have scored another one or two. Uh, Gallardo had a, a, a chance on the right side of the box and just couldn't get his hips around it and shot it just a little bit wide and a little bit over. Um, so, you know, Richmond – you know, gave it to them, but as soon as North Carolina got their second, it, it seemed like they kind of got frazzled and uh, and and kind of dropped back a lot and gave North Carolina too much of the ball, even though they uh, Richmond was playing very uh, very aggressive uh, for a time. So, Jason, did you have any additional thoughts about this, or should we move on to one of the more maybe nuanced and interesting games? It's it. it- it's it's challenging a to block out a six four striker so and that's what Richmond struggled with especially when that's been their weakness this year set pieces and I said you know the more that you know North Carolina had a chance to cross in the ball and more corners they had Richmond would suffer and you know when you're Boateng uh, you got to finish one of those chances that changes the game you go in the halftime two one it's a whole different game North Carolina's chasing you guys can set defensively and instead you know Coach Below had to do a, a triple sub to chase the game. Right. And you, when you do that, you just know it's desperation and that there's going to be availability for counters and the field's going to be open. So it, it's tough, but you know, Richmond, I think will bounce back and they just have to work on those set pieces. I'm not sure that, that Troyer was playing on the right um, this time. And uh, I, I'm not sure that that's his best position for this particular team. Um, that, not that I know more than Coach Bulo. I certainly don't. But sounds like um, it. Let's, uh, let's. <laughs> well, my, my my suggestion to Coach would be uh, would be to think about putting Brendan Troyer more centrally because I think that's where he's a little bit better. And also, you know, you noted this, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But um, you know, Acqui I think tends to be a little bit better as a as a center back, and I think his vertical might have helped out a lot in covering, especially on that second goal with you know the header on a from a six four striker. Yeah. Yeah, but he also kind of let that first goal in for North Carolina. Yeah. He uh, didn't close yeah, it. Troyer didn't clear the ball. Yeah, yeah Troyer didn't clear it, and Akwe didn't close in on the shot. So, you know, defensively, you know, this is what Richmond's taking pride in, right? And they're going if they want to win these 1-0, 2-0, 2-1 games, this is what they're going to – those are the things they have to do. All right, and let's move on to Weston. Weston, yeah. unfortunately – Lansing Ignite falls to Indianapolis 11, 1-0. Indianapolis got a red card. Indianapolis Um, 10. I'm sorry? (laughs) Indianapolis 10, right. Of course. (laughs) Indianapolis 10 for about 70 minutes of the match. Um, You know, your thoughts on this game? Uh, Just – you know, coming in, if they lost one nothing, it's it's whatever. You know, you'll take that. It's it's a better team. just a bizarre game. Um, you know, I thought Lansing played toe to toe with them. They had some incredible chances in the first couple minutes. Um, after the red card, you're up 11, 10 and, and Lansing struggled. They, they had a tough time from that point. Um, they seemed more tentative. Uh, you know, they had a 
very creative player. I'm sure Jason wants to talk about Celso. Celso wasn't able to do much uh, with a lot more space. Um, I'll, I'll also just circle back and say the lineups at the start were interesting to me because Nate definitely wasn't going all in on this game. He could say he was, but you know, when you don't play Nick Moon, you weren't, this wasn't your priority. Uh, Saturday versus Texas is your priority, but uh, you know, frustrating game. Um, first off worried about Elma. I hope he's okay. Uh, Lansing did score late off a header that I didn't see the foul. Um, so it could have been one, one, we could have been an extra time. I could have been here super late, uh, but <laughs> I, it's, you know, this is why I don't podcast right after games. You know, I don't want to be too emotional. I want to rewatch. But uh, it, it was a frustrating game, man. We were all in the, us in the bar. It's just, man, they just seem tentative. I've never seen Lansing pass backwards more. I, it, I think that's it, one of my main takeaways. I wonder, it seemed a little bit strange to me, some of the some of the play. Now, I only watched about 20 minutes of that particular match. But it seemed to me that, that the pitch might have had something to do with it, too. Like, the ball was just moving a little bit faster and taking otter bounces Maybe they're used to playing on grass as opposed to the the turf. I mean, not that that's going to be a major excuse in this day and age, and in uh, in either of the two USL leagues. But um, do, do you think that that might have had a little bit of a, a factor for them? Um, I don't because they actually, uh, if you watch the first round, they they play on a turf field to practice a lot at Lansing Catholic High School. So um, I, I don't think that mattered at all. I think they were just tentative, and, and weirdly, they were more tentative once they're up a man. It, I don't know if they thought, eh, we can take our time and then after giving up the goal is all of a sudden, no, we got to press forward a little bit. It really, it, was, it wasn't until the 75th minute or so that they really started pressing hard in uh, Indy's own zone, which also surprised me. But, I mean, I said Nate told me before the season that he was going all in on Open Cup. I kind of came away thinking we didn't go all in on Open Cup myself. I think we're going all in Saturday against Texas. That, that's and I, I wonder if your, if your standings and record or just your performance overall throughout the league was a little better if he would have felt more comfortable going all in. Because also, you guys go up a man and you have the best pressing team. And like you said, didn't really put any kind of aggressive press until the 75th minute when you were chasing a game tire. And it's just, you don't go up a man for almost a whole hour and not press like that. And it's not like you don't have the personnel. Everyone on that team is athletic. Rafa was all over the field. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't. And then, like you said, tentative, like even when Celso got the ball and was one-on-one, I was on my knees begging him to just take people on one-on-one, please. And he would not do it. And I don't know if it's maybe he just doesn't have his rhythm because he didn't play last game, or I don't know if it's because they're rotation rotating so much. They don't really know their assignments and what they're supposed to do, but it just wasn't a, a good game plan being up a man. And what I was hoping was going into halftime, you guys would come out to be a lot more aggressive, attack more, but no, it was pretty much like you said, more backpassing and, and the same thing, and then just crosses into nobody, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah, just absolutely nobody. And usually you cross and you'll have somebody there, but doesn't get a great chance. It was just, it just didn't feel like the team was on the same page. A couple of bizarre plays uh, late too, where we, you know, we always talk about that creativity lacking in the final third. Uh, Rafa especially provided that, uh, but then a couple of those plays, there's just no one in the box to put it home. It's very, yeah. very odd. Just seemed a little disjointed. And said they look great early, uh, 11 versus 11. So I I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, but uh, the circumstances of the game made me really disappointed because that should have been a win. And as far as that goal for you guys, nobody complained on Lansing. So I don't know what happened, but I have a feeling that 
everyone saw it happen. So it might have been a foul before everyone jumped up for the header or because usually you score a goal and it gets called back. <laughs> You're going to complain, especially in the the way that that game was going. So I have a feeling that some you know something happened and the team just knew right away that it happened. That, that's fair. Uh, let's be real: USL League or Open Cup League One, whatever. All the cameras work is not always the greatest. So <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> I know you're in a bad bad mood, but you don't have to take it out on the cameraman in the oh, production of USL. Listen to my USL podcast. Open we Cup. take it on the cameraman literally every week. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the big thing is the number of cameras too, right? <laughs> when you have yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, two camera shoot to try and fill the whole field. It doesn't always work well. No one was zooming uh, in on the railing, so that's a win this week. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, positive thinking. I like it. <laughs> so uh, as we speak, we're just about heading into halftime. Madison is still up 2-0 on El Paso Locomotive. Um, so let's go to USL Week 7 results for League USL League 1. Uh, our first match was uh, Texas, North Texas SC 4 Orlando City B won. Uh, you had goals uh, all in the second half, starting with uh, Bagru for OCB in the 48th, Tessman for North Texas in the 69th, Gomez in the 77th for North Texas, Rodriguez scores a PK in the 86th. It was conceded by Randy Mendoza, and uh, Damas uh, came in as a substitute off the bench, and in the 88th, uh, he got the final goal for North Texas. Uh, both teams had six shots on net once again, but like I think at least four of those came from outside the box by OCB again in the first half. Jason, what is OCB doing to try and score and you know the low percentage shots that they keep on trying to take and, well, and week after week? First and foremost, I'm very upset nobody asked me about what kit I'm wearing this week. Um, <laughs> if you guys can't tell, and I'll, I'll be sure to take a picture uh, for Twitter if you're listening on the podcast, I've got my Orlando City B backup jersey on because if you had watched this game, um, Bagru took a nasty elbow I uh, was bleeding and he I was bleeding on his jersey and they did not have a backup jersey prepared for him. So they literally just slapped on a white t-shirt and then sharpied his number on the back. And so <laughs> since you know, we're all we're, we're all complaining about $90 kits and we're doing all these kit rankings. Bow, get a five hour kit, three for three for five hours, use a sharpie, get your favorite player. The laws um, of the game do say it only has to be eight inches high, the number, and it, it does not specify that it has to be identical as long as the color is the same. So yeah. I suppose they follow the laws of the game. Again, and they and they had one for him after halftime. But um, you know, it's it's the same thing. First and foremost, I think I think Bagro played a great game. And the the goal that they did score was all because of him pressing. And I I don't understand why Orlando doesn't press more. Maybe it's because they don't have uh security in their defense, but they, he was just running effortlessly and I think pressed three different people before the ball got passed and then was a giveaway and then he's right there to score. And that's what Orlando, if that's the best opportunity they're going to get, that's what they should probably look to do, right? Because otherwise, again, and I keep ha- I have all this film of Orlando with beautiful buildup, three, four passes down the field, and then they get to the box and it's just like, oh, I don't know, and so and if they started, so if they started further up, because you're absolutely right, they really started to uh, they really started to press in the second half, where you didn't see that that much in the first half. So I, I think that was clearly a, a halftime speech game plan. And on that particular goal, um, you had the high press, and actually it was Rafael Santos who shot the ball, and it was a really good. Um, I, I can never pronounce his name, but it's Zobek, I think, is the goaltender for uh, for North Texas. He made a nice save, and unfortunately, you know, no one picked up. 
uh, no one picked up the run of uh, of Bagru, and he just you know slotted it home easily. But it was uh, um, you know you're, I think you're right. Like if they won the ball closer to the opponent's net, they'd have more more chances, and they yeah. probably have more high quality chances like that one. And I think because they don't score, they just have to depend on defense to keep going, keep going. And then once another team scores, that's it. The floodgates open because then Orlando's chasing it. And you did not want to chase it this weekend because Arturo Rodriguez was not having it. That boy, easily player of the week for me, two assists, a goal, eight chances created, and won nine of his 13 duels was everywhere. Just for context, before this game, League One had two players tied for the most created chances with 10 each. And Arturo did eight in one game. So that just shows you how much he was balling this game. So props to him, uh, props to Tessman too, because Tessman played extremely well, big physical. That's I, I might have to write an article about that. Loving these big physical midfielders that look like they're center backs, but just roaming around the field and, and doing it on both sides of the ball. Three tackles, two interceptions, three key passes. I thought Tessman played an excellent game, including a nice back heel to start uh, one of their goals. So, you know, I think, I think North Texas is the real deal. I do want to see them play bigger opponents and, you know, opponents who are more defensively sound. But when you watch their passing, it's absolutely incredible. They just go down the field like it's nothing. Before I let Weston chime in, I, I would say I would say two things. One, um, in the interviews that I did today with uh, uh, with, with the Tormenta guys, um, their head coach mentioned that you know North Texas was the class of the league right now, and um, you know he is very nervous, and and he said he's not surprised that they've gone five in a row uh, um, uh, winless. Um, uh, my prediction point, by the way, and uh, two in a row now. <laughs> Uh, but but then second is is Tessman, right? So Tessman, I think, is one of those guys like an Aaron Long, right, who does really well in USL in the midfield. But maybe if he's going to advance in in into Major League Soccer or into higher leagues, he he might actually do better as a center back, like like you mentioned, um, because especially for high pressing teams that like to play out of the back, that need center backs that that can uh, can ball and have line breaking passes, he would be the type of person that might actually slot in uh, for something like that. And it's funny because they have two players like that because now they have Jada playing as a center back and he's probably the most unique player because he's a box-to-box midfielder who's shaped like a center back. So, and But the, the cool thing about that is I, Jada, the North Texas, if you check out their Twitter, they put out an interview today with him um, explaining how he, you know, he wants to put his team first and you could tell he'd probably rather be playing midfield but is taking on the center back role with pride and he's bringing his skills to that. If you go to the 28th minute, you'll see he had a 60-yard switch long ball that was on the dime that set up for a North Texas uh, shot on goal. It was just a great save by the keeper from Chade. But, you know, when you have a center back that has that passing ability, that's dangerous, and especially one who feels comfortable bringing up the ball. And so, yeah, it's going to be tough to get the ball from North Texas if their center back is playing at midfield and has no problem doing it. Weston, you have any thoughts on this match? Um, I think Jason's take about – um, after that first goal, Orlando's back line just seemed to totally break down. Just some poor effort after that. As beautiful as some of North Texas's build-up play was. Uh, you know, on my podcast this week, some people were kind of going a little crazy for North Texas. I see Jason over here kind of hocking up. Let's just slow a roll a little bit, all right? Uh, first off, they played Orlando twice. That first game against Chattanooga was a bizarre game. Uh, Chattanooga, just some just horrendous mistakes. They've played four games at, at home, only one on the road. Not a terrible travel. 
I'm as for whatever problems Lansing has, I, I'm very curious for the Saturday. I think this will be a big defining test for them. And I'm still not convinced that they're top of the league. I think they're probably a playoff team at this point, but I'm not convinced they're as dominant as some people are talking about. I, I agree. My thing yeah, is they'll be a playoff team if they overcome a situation. They not have to overcome anything this year, right? It's just like they've been down for what a, a grand total of four minutes or something crazy like that. So once they have to overcome and chase a game, that's when I'll be curious to see. Once they have to learn how to break down a bunker defense, that's when it's like, okay, now let's see what these kids have. Um, but they're still offensively so fun to watch. When you watch that Gomez goal, he literally got the ball from Jada in his own 30-yard box, and then four passes later and 10 seconds later, he's putting it in the back of the net. So they're definitely the most uh, offensively beautiful, entertaining team to watch. But like you said, yeah, I'm going to wait to call them the best in the league until I see them overcome obstacles. Um, let's talk about someone who wasn't there uh, just for a minute or two. So, and that would be Ricardo Pepe, the striker for North Texas SC, who Weston, you'll be happy to know, will probably not be there on Saturday because <laughs> US U17s, where Ricardo Pepe is one of the strikers for, came off the bench and scored two and dropped a two spot in order on Canada in uh, the US U17 win to get, get them to the CONCACAF uh, finals. They're playing Mexico on Thursday night. I would imagine that Pepe is either going to you know play 60, 90, or come off the bench to play 30 or so in, in that particular match. Um, you know, a couple of goals that the guys, you know, you know really, uh, really been impressive. And especially since this was, you know, his, um, you know, I think first real run with this team. So he gets to play with the likes of Giovanni Reina and some other, uh, some other stars of the future. So Jason, um, you mentioned, I mentioned last week that I didn't think that he deserved to be on the list for player of the month. You gave me some shade for that. Uh, but I, uh, I love the kid, but I just, you know, he played in two matches out of five. Clinical, so. clinical. The difference between good leagues and bad leagues is when a striker has a one-on-one chance or a good shot, you expect them to finish it. When you're watching premier league or whatever European Spanish league you're watching, you can tell when someone's in front of the goal and go, Oh, they need to finish that. Right. And time after time, we see players that don't Pepe's not one of those players. He's a clinical finisher. And because of that, that's why he's on my list. But I will say goal cup. I know, I know it's a, it's a big jump, but he had an interview today and he was saying he kept referring to the U.S. as we and you, everyone. Uh, for those who don't know, he's a dual national citizen with Mexico. He's played with them for a little bit, played with us. Go ahead and just cap him. Like just bring him off the bench against Guyana and just cap him because we, we need to go ahead and just get that done with now. Don't even let Mexico have time to change his mind. Uh, the, the other option would be to, to wait until the fall and, and cap time during the Nations <laughs> League. Nope, um, Guyana, Cap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, moving along, we have uh, the next match I have here is Chattanooga Red Wolves 2, forward Madison 2. The scoring started in the second minute uh, by Doyle, and, uh, and then you could fast forward all the way to the second half, and <laughs> there were three goals in three minutes in this match. Uh, there was a, a goal by uh, Zogro on a, which was actually an own goal uh, on in favor of uh, in favor of forward. Uh, that was in the 53rd. Nunez scored for forward in the 55th, but their lead lasted less than a minute 
because my man Eamon Zayed for Chattanooga scored in the 56th minute. Um, you know, basically, uh, you know, it was uh, Chattanooga had the possession advantage, had about 80, uh, 58% possession. Uh, both teams had 12 shots and, and a number of shots on target. Uh, let's go, Weston. Did you, um, you know, what, what do you think about this match? Uh, yeah, I, re- I referenced the uh, Chattanooga-North Texas game earlier, and it kind of reminded me of that uh, just in terms of the mistakes Chattanooga makes. Um, you know, I mean, I thought they played such a strong first half. I mean, I'm sure Chattanooga fans were kind of relieved to see that after their Open Cup and their uh, game against Orlando. Uh, I thought they played a great first half, the early goal, but I thought they had a lot of the best chances. I thought they controlled the game and then just just a terrible uh, run out by the goalkeeper. And then uh, I, I can't pronounce his name, the, the defender that it went off of. He, he was kind of like priming for the ball and then he just kind of stopped as the ball went over him and then it just had <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it just got headed right. It's just a weird play. And it just seems like Chattanooga just makes these mental errors that you just wouldn't expect out of a veteran team. And um, if I he thought- was standing anywhere else, that wouldn't have went in. <laughs> like, if he literally could have just been facing the other way and that ball might not have went in. It was just really bad. Oh, oh I'm sorry. You're talking, about, you're talking about the second goal. You're, you're talking about the, the- – own goal, yeah, that was yeah. under. Uh, that was the first one. That was Zagoro's yeah. goal. Yeah, it hit yeah. off the post and then the back of his head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just—it was just a weird play. But I mean, the bad run up by the goalkeeper. I mean, the second goal was just bad luck off the deflection. But uh, it just seems like Chattanooga has these mistakes, and you know, you see the potential, especially on offense. I mean, so I thought they had a lot of great chances and some great finishes there, uh, but they just. They just have some sort of weird mental errors that you just don't expect out of a veteran team. I have to say, when in the 55th minute, when Nunez scored his goal, I, I thought that this was going to be forwards match. Uh, quite frankly, I mean, Nunez took on three players. Um, you know, he just uh, he he really challenged uh, challenged the back line of Chattanooga, who you know you know didn't seem to have an answer. Like no one wanted to to uh, no one wanted to foul 20 yards out. So instead, everyone just like leaves Nunez and, and lets him. Um, let, let's him dribble around. Um, but Eamon Zayed then, uh, you know, he, he, uh, um, he had all kinds of, so Zagoro who, who had the own goal earlier, he had all kinds of space out on the wing, gets the ball into Eamon Zayed. And, you know, as, as, uh, Eamon Zayed in this particular instance was very clinical, whereas last week he had two right in front of the net that he missed, very similar to these actually. So I don't know if they've been practicing that during the week, but uh, but but Zayed made the most of it, and uh, you know he was in a great position. Um, and uh, you know if you if you look, you know one. Um, uh, you, you had some Beatty also made a nice run during that particular play as well, and uh, his you know that header back into the uh, back into the center of the box was was kind of the difference. You know that the, the great uh, um, the great cross Beatty's header and then you know nice save, but uh, but Zayed had to be in a nice position, and instead of it being a second save, it ended up in the back of the net. Um, ugly game, not, not a particularly pretty game to watch. Jason, did you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, it was it was ugly. It was like me middle school no date to the seventh grade dance ugly i don't i i i like there's moments of greatness right and like you were saying with nunez he has the advantage of having that space because i think teams are afraid to foul forward anywhere from 20 30 yards out of the box because they know that nunez could put that ball in on a dime for a free kick the issue though is with chattanooga is just their their midfield is just so blah i it's just uh, there's no I don't know if they need to stack more midfielders and you know or bring up a defender. I don't know, but it's just with 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 Chattanooga, you get a 
moment of brilliance to where they'll have it go down the side and they cross it in. And it's usually based off of BD's hustle and work ethic, but I just don't see any creativity. And the one thing that I like that Ford has is Paulo Jr. can play either Ford or in the middle, right? So when Toye is playing, they can put Paulo to come back for the ball and kind of play that that box to box, and he can put passes on the dime. But then he's also now showing that he can finish, right? And so Nunez also, if Paulo is going to be up top because Toye is not playing, Nunez can then go into the middle and do the same thing. And that's when he had two chances created, two crosses, five shots, and a goal this past week. So I like that they have that, you know, Ford has that going. But I just thought this game in general was just, yeah, just dry mouth. I don't, I'm, I need to drink, dehydrate it. There was an entertaining three minutes. You, you got to give those three minutes props. No, yeah, absolutely. That might have made up for it. <laughs> so if you haven't watched the match, start in about the 50th minute and turn it off in the 60th minute, and you'll, you'll have seen most well, of you the. Can, you, can, and you can watch the first two to see that first goal oh, yeah. and then watch the first uh, goal. 10 goal. minutes of the second goal. half and turn it off. Now, is that the? I'm guessing that's the fastest goal in League One history so far, right? It has uh, to be. A, Good guess. I I hadn't checked, but I'm guessing it is. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. It has to be. I don't remember anyone else kind of just taking it and scoring right away. There were a couple in the first ten minutes, but I don't remember anyone anyone being in the second minute. Yeah. Yeah. My right. one other take with this game is the oh, cow- yeah. Why? Why? Just why? just why? Why is there a cow? Like who? You're playing this cowbell. Are you pumping up your own fans? Are you pumping up your players? Who's getting pumped up by this cowbell? Nobody. Oh, no. More cowbell. Nobody's okay. getting pumped up by this cowbell. Just like nobody's getting pumped up if you do a Vuvuzela, which unfortunately there's going to be a Vuvuzela night for Lansing. I was going to say, you, uh, <laughs> you're calling the kettle pot right now. Yeah, cause... so that's, that's going to be embarrassing, but I'm going to enjoy making fun of this cowbell I can. Just stop. It, it doesn't do anything. There's there's nobody getting pumped up. It just, it's, and you know, it was a quiet atmosphere, and just you literally just heard the cowbell the whole game. Right. Ed Wolves front office, give me a call. I've got a guy. I can get bulk cowbells for y'all. And when Lansing comes into town, I can get y'all 500 cowbells. And this could be the wildest game we've ever had in USL League history. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. Well, moving on, uh, we have our next match is Lansing Ignite won the Greenville Triumph. Did not triumph, and they scored only one. And it was Ward for Greenville, who came off the bench in the 68th minute and scored the next minute after subbing in, it might have been his first touch, actually, I think. Yeah, um, I think that was Ward's first touch. He scores the scores the opening goal of the match, but then Lopez Espin uh, also came off the bench for Lansing and scored uh, in the 76th minute. Lansing had the better of possession, 56%. Uh, both teams had about nine shots on goal. You guys were pretty clinical, though, there, Weston, with only two shots on target and uh, and scoring one of them. So lucky for that. Um, you know, so why don't you – you were at the match. Why don't you talk about your uh, your opinion now that you're a few days removed and not uh, not lamenting? <laughs> well, sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it, – it, we talked about this on uh, our podcast. It was uh, – Capital just, Combustion, uh, by the way. Capital Combustion. Yeah. Follow us great, at Capital great, Combustion. Great podcast. Yeah, one of the – one of you – the Beautiful Game Network's podcasts. And the guys have fun. They sit around a table. So um, – and, uh, you know, I guess they're they're drinking beer. It's, it's, a, it's a great listen. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, we talked about how like almost half the goals Lansing has given up this year have been just dumb, either be a dumb mistake or just some kind of fluky. 
the ward goal, I had put more in the fluky category, just unfortunate bounce. Uh, very frustrating after some great play. Uh, I just want to call out Kyle Ein. We didn't really talk about him on our pod, but I thought he's been really good since he's uh, taken over that starting role. Uh, that long corner by Toomey to Koifik, that's something they've done a couple games now. Uh, I'm curious if teams are going to start to look out for that a little more, but it's been effective with our, our tall guys being in there. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, you just, you see the same problems with Lansing. We just talked about with any of that lack of creativity in the final third. And, you know, Espen has proven himself as a finisher, but no one else really has, um, you know, I, uh, some strong defensive performances uh, by Serta. Uh, Nick Moon, just incredible coming back, won all of his duels. Uh, Koifik was really strong. So, I mean, defensively, not that Greenville's the greatest offensive team, but I thought they played really well off, uh, defensively. Offensively, Greenville also a very focused, uh, very disciplined defensive team, but just same problems with Lansing. And uh, I, I, my hope is that more Rafa – going forward is, is going to help solve some of his issues. Once again, seeing against Indy, you can, you can see what he can do. And he, I think he breaks down guys in the middle of the field, which is what you don't see otherwise with this team. Jason. Yeah. Um, quick, two quick notes. I thought that this was, if you want to see what Polick is all about, this is a game to watch. Um, he's just, he's great at stealing the ball and launching counterattacks. And you saw it happen from the first half and all the way there was one in the 90th minute that he had that just kind of, you know, prevents teams from being able to put a step forward offensively because he's right there and you don't want to leave too much space for him. So props to him for that. Now a question for you, uh, you know, you being the, the Lansing uh, expert on this panel today is Lansing good. <laughs> Cause I just, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask that because, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're bad. Right. But are they good? Because you've scored less goals than you've conceded this year. Right. And then you don't have any player that ranks in the top 10 for goals, assists and clearances. So I'm wondering, is 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 it just the cohesiveness of the team? Is the tactics not working? Are you do you look at your team and you go, we're good and we're just unlucky? Or do you look at your team and say we're not there yet? Is it Aspen in top 10 for goals? Because he's at three now. Now he is. Yeah. yeah so yeah. this is, this is yeah. before that. Maybe. OK, so <laughs> uh, so. My thing is, I'm not sure if any team is like particularly good. Is my kind of take. There's no team. Wow. Team. Okay. Not in terms of like they all suck, but like in terms of there's no team that's like terribly above anybody else. And so you're saying there's no Man City or Liverpool. Yeah, there's no Man City. There's uh, there is Orlando at the bottom, but uh, besides them, everybody has their dangerous moments. I mean this this team has flaws clearly. Like like I said, the finishing ability. Um, you know, Nick Moon's probably been the only real consistent performer. My hope is Rafa will fill a hole, and Espen has clearly filled the hole with the, some of that finishing uh, problems. But I guess my take, I'll, I'll just take it to the extreme. Nobody's that good. Uh, nobody's that bad. Nobody's that good. Every, every team has flaws, and every, no team has really stood out to me thus far as so much better than everybody else. Lansing's in the same boat. Um uh, I will say throughout the season, the only game where I felt like they truly got outplayed was that first Greenville game. Uh, every other game has been either evenly matched or, or I thought they've been a little better. Uh, you know, if they beat, if they will beat Toronto, who I thought they clearly outplayed uh, and they had pretty good rest. No, but you know, we're probably not saying this as frustrating as some of the other results, but they did it. And that's you, that's an issue. And yeah. you, you guys sure. actually said, you guys actually said on capital combustion where someone did that there were four, uh, the last four matches, uh, you guys thought green, uh, Lansing should have won all of them. 
right? Uh, Nate, Nate thought thinks that. Uh, I said I I thought the Tucson game was pretty evenly contested, and I thought the Richmond game was a deserved draw. I thought this last Greenville game, especially in the second half, I thought they played really well. Um, but you know, you look at the stats, you look at the chances, you look at the possessions. You're like, wow, Lancey played well, but when you're consistently not finishing, well, that's obviously a problem. So. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I don't think they're good, but I don't think anybody is so much good, you know, above everybody else. So then you've got North Texas at home this week. You travel to Tormenta the week after that. You travel to Ford the week after that. And then you travel to Toronto the week after that. Then you travel to Greenville the week after that. So within those five matches, how many points are you expecting Lansing to bring in? Four on the road and against the top teams in the league. I really think there will at least be a point against Texas. I will be in Madison, so clearly they will play hard for me. So okay. uh, let's see there. Try, I, I'd say uh, probably seven. I'll say seven. And you're you think that you're still on good course at seven? If you get seven points, I mean, you've seen the results. I mean, so so many teams are evenly matched. There's so many draws. Um, you know, I think seven will be enough to stay in the hunt, and hopefully they can figure some stuff out in, in the meantime. Yeah. I still think they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of athleticism. I do wonder if they've gotten away from what they're best at, which is uh, pre- like we talked about with Indy. You know, they didn't really press that hard till the end. Uh, and, and we saw that, you can tell that too in this last game against Greenville because they received no yellow cards. Usually, when you're a pressing team, someone gets a yellow at some point just from you know aggressive play or or persistent infringement. And you know, no yellow cards for Lansing and in, in, against Greenville. And then my and last I point, I want my last point, I want to bring up, and this might be. You know, so this is something that I haven't heard really discussed. What's going on with Gomez? Because, like you said, we're you lack creativity. So, is this like is this something that they need to replace him in that center, that midfield position? What what what's what's the issue? Uh, I, I think he kind of has been replaced. Um, you know, he came in today as a sub, uh, and he hasn't started. Like he was starting every game until recently. So, um, you know, after that first game, he just unfortunately has been that effective RIP to your MVP pick. I know. Um, I'm making it look bad. <laughs> um, so, I mean, maybe he's got it, but I mean, just his set pieces, that was one thing I was really hyped about from watching him in preseason and the first game was his set pieces. Those haven't been that great. And yeah, he hasn't been able to break down guys in the middle of the field that well. And I said, unfortunately, when Toomey moves to centrally outside of being a wingback, he doesn't do quite as well. He, he had a little better game today, but he hasn't been quite as effective in the middle. Just no one is that effective in the middle of the field, and that's been the problem. And Rafa is more of a wing guy, but my hope is he can move centrally. We will see. Um, team definitely has issues to work through, but they haven't looked bad, I'll say. Nick Moon, new number 10. You hear, you heard it here first. <laughs> All right, he can play anywhere. so maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He might as well at this point. I, I think uh, Nate likes how well he can get back and recover as a wing back, though. He's been very Absolutely. strong defensively. All right, moving on, uh, we had the Richmond Kickers 2 and uh, against FC Tucson's nil. This game was played in Richmond. Um, uh, so you had uh, goals in the 83rd minute by Gallardo. Big surprise there, now tied for the Golden Boot. And also uh, Imwapwe scored in the 96th minute of, uh, of the six minutes of uh, injury time. So uh, Richmond has 60% possession. Not a Big surprise here. Um, FC Tucson tends to play more of a counterattacking style. Both uh, both teams had 
uh, double-digit shots uh, in in total. Richmond had four total shots. FC Tucson three shots. Um, all of those um, in, uh, in in transition. I, I'd say looking at what, how Richmond played in this particular match, um, they did play it seemed with a double pivot. They had Maxi Rodriguez and Hughes both back there in, in a double pivot. Maxi Rodriguez maybe pushed a little bit more forward, a little bit as a number eight, um, and uh, and Hughes stayed a little bit home. Um, this was probably uh, I'm going to bring him up because uh, I happen to know him and and he actually coached me a little bit. But this was perhaps Scotty Thompson's best match of the season so far. Um, he was pretty dangerous, put in a number of dangerous crosses and um, and was solid getting back. Uh, during some of Tucson's counterattacks. Tucson definitely had their chances. Um, in the 83rd minute, um, uh, you know, the, the, their keeper did really well also in, in uh, the, excuse me, in the 82nd minute. Gallardo um, gets the ball uh, near facing his own goal and does a great turn, and no one from Tucson picks him up. He uh, he dribbles forward, um, and is, is some space was created for him by uh, uh, by Chin backing up, and he just you know strikes a shot from twenty five yards out, goes in the bottom left corner, um, and then Imwapwe uh, scores very late uh, after a nice setup from a bunch. Uh, he kind of got lucky. Um, he. Uh, 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 he made uh, his defender on a left-footed shot, right um, uh, in the box, kind of very late as Tucson was trying to go for uh, go for an equalizer. Um, you know, I would say that this was a pretty convincing, you know, kind of win by Richmond, at least in the end. But uh, at the same time, they didn't have a lot of chances really before the the final ten or fifteen minutes of the game. Jason, let's uh, start with you for your thoughts on this match. Yeah, everything that you said. I think uh, a big part of it was Maxi Rodriguez. Uh, dominating the middle uh three interceptions two clearances won five of his six tackles had two key passes so he was able to get forward and that's because of that double pivot with Hughes right Hughes has just been a beast defensively in the middle he just interrupts anything that comes his way and so I think because of that that allows Maxi to go up and Maxi had 85 percent passing rate so when you're passing that well in the final third you're going to get your chances um one thing I will say and what we'll, we might talk about it more later Joe is best when he stays in the final third or on the offensive side and I think that's like why he's created all these chances and scoring these goals when he is up there and receives the ball and defenders are trying to get settled that is when he is at his best you can see the difference of when he has to come back to receive the ball he's, he's not as creative right and usually ends up passing it side to Maxi or whoever's available but when Joe is up there I, you know, you don't want to foul people as soon as they get the ball, but I would be as physical as possible. You can't give him space as soon as he gets the ball within 20, 25 yards of the box. You just can't. In many ways, he he ends up acting like your classic number ten, kind of a second striker, and yep. uh, you know, trying to trying to run off and create next to someone else who's more of a target striker. Yep. What did you uh, have a chance to see any of this match? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Uh, it kind of like you talked about, you know, Tucson, and that's why I saw against when they played Lansing. Uh, Tucson likes to play back and counter. I'm still just surprised more teams don't try and get in Richmond's grill in their own zone and don't let them get comfortable in, in their own zone. Uh, I think that's the best way to play them. I think you they, mean because you guys figured that out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it said Lansing showed everyone in the formula how to beat them, and outside of maybe Greenville, nobody has done it yet. And uh, I just think it's weird. I, I understand that teams don't necessarily play that way but richmond makes mistakes if you pressure them in their own zone i've seen it 
set yeah. this out of lock. They already played them three friggin' times. So three, three uh, sevenths of their matches were against you guys. So when, yes, when they so, play uh, North, North Texas will be an interesting test when when they get there in a couple of weeks uh, against Richmond because North Texas does like to press as well. So uh, I think that'll be a, a really interesting uh, test for them. And not good North Texas, according to Weston. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm here for, the hot takes. We need a little spice. You need, you need some help with the spice. <laughs> uh, not good, but no one. It's a nuanced take, even though it sounds spicy. I, I will say with Tucson, though, uh, Cox is an underrated player. I think he's great at creating chances, and he's definitely a player to watch for. And I think they're good on the counter. It's just that they need to – like they leave too much space. So if they don't put a shot on goal – and the ball is deflected or intercepted, that's when they're in trouble, and that's when teams can just go down and beat them. And I think that's a hesitation of why a lot of teams don't press is because maybe they don't feel comfortable with the speed of their defenders, right? If somebody tries to press against Richmond and then has to deal with Eli Lockerbie down the side or has to deal with Boateng or Mwape, like they're in trouble. So they might not want to do that. And that's kind of what happened in that first game when you guys played them, when they did come up, you absorbed that pressure sent it down to the side, and then Celso was just, just smoking them. But there's other ways to press too, right? Like you don't right. have to press You don't have to press your wing backs high. Like you can keep your back four pretty far back. You, you give up the midfield if you do that. But, you know, if you press with, say, a front four and then you keep two holding midfielders in between, uh, you, you know, there's other ways you can do that. I, I think that maybe, you know, Tucson is, is trying to kind of perfect their uh, absorb and counter tactics. Uh, it, it seems like that's, that's what their identity, what they want their identity to be. Um, and I, I don't know if that's because of, of their relationship with the senior team or, or what, but um, it definitely seems like like that's what they're doing. Uh, in the interest of time, let's move on uh, to the final match of week seven. There was a red card in this match, the only match with the red card during the week. South Georgia Tormenta, three versus Toronto FC, two uh, scored two goals. So, uh, but the and, uh, Toronto two started with uh, with Perusa scored in the 14th minute, followed up by Dennis for Tormenta at in the 28th. Uh, Bunk Anderson scored uh, for Toronto in the 36th, but uh, South Georgia Tormento tied it up on a PK in the 72nd by uh, by Micheletto. And then finally, Dennis got his, uh, gets his brace in the 93rd minute to lock things up for South Georgia. Um, that place w- got loud after that winning goal in the, uh, in the 93rd minute. Um, I, I think um, Toronto FC2, particularly after the red card, was lucky they didn't concede another one or two. Um, South Georgia Tormenta had 62% possession, 17 shots, eight shots on net. Um, uh, uh, four of those shots actually happened after the red card. Um, so clearly they were much more dangerous uh, th- than they were when when TFC2 was uh, what was all full-sided. All three of TFC2's shots, by the way, uh, two of which obviously they scored, but all three of them were from inside the box. Uh, let's start with you, Jason. What were your thoughts on this match? So match of, of like a, a pendulum of just – Tormenta came out dominating possession and had like two great chances to start the game in the first three minutes. Um, and then a heavy touch in the middle led to a Toronto counter and goal. And that kind of switched the momentum over. Um, I'm going to just say this right now. I think Pepe's the most clinical finisher in the league, but I think Perusa is right there as a close second. I think if you give, if you give him the ball 18 yards from the goal, it's going in. I don't care where he's at. It's just going in. Um, and the goals that he scored this year show that. 
it's it's not one of those goals that are deflected. It's not something to where he's wide open. He gets any kind of space and takes it. It's going in. Um, but Tormenta yeah, that was all Perusa. It was. Yeah. It was. He just literally had it all by himself. Um, you know, had his back to goal, turned, and then uh, you know really seemed um, uh, you know really against the run of play. Quite frankly, I mean that was that that really turned the tide there after the 14th minute. And then Tormenta did a great job of. of, of switching back and having momentum on their side and they had great chances uh but they hit the post and also props to the toronto goalkeeper who had a lot of great saves too um and then that toronto goal amazing header right we talk about like the set pieces and we talk about the headers in this league i don't care who the goalkeeper was nobody was saving that absolute great header uh for toronto um and then connor antley player of the month you see why an amazing defensive stop that saved the goal. And if that goal had went in for Toronto, that game might've been over despite the Muhammad red card, because then torment is just chasing too late. Um, so Antley, great job at that. Toronto did a decent amount of job winning the ball in the middle, which is something that Tormenta usually does extremely well. So I have to give him props for that. Um, but I think that, like you said, when that red card happened, Tor- Tormenta just had way too many chances, you know, and they just had way too many shots and you knew it was coming. Um, Dennis, player of the week, deservedly so. Uh, don't know if he meant to hit it the way he hit it, but, you know, you, goals are goals. And so he played out of his mind, uh, was everywhere on the field. Like I said, huge fan of these big guys running up and down in the midfield, causing havoc on both sides. And he's he's a, one of those players. And I don't know. I, you know, Weston doesn't think so. I think Tormenta is a good team. I think there's um, some pretty good teams in this league. <laughs> Weston, your thoughts? Uh, I'll make it quick since I know we're right along. Uh, so uh, Toronto is, is good at capitalizing on mistakes. They do have great finishers. That's what I saw against Lansing. That's what I saw here. I uh, said Perusa is really good. Um, and then Tormenta, mo- I've only watched a couple of their games with them, but that, they were more of an absorbent counter team, at least the games I watched. But So it was kind of scary for me as a Lansing fan to see them look pretty comfortable in possession and create some great chances. So um, impressive performance by Tormenta. M- maybe they're okay. You know, no one's good, but maybe they're okay. Yeah, the one, one other takeaway I would have from this match was on the uh, on the third goal, the to, the second Toronto goal. Um, you know, Tormenta's defense up to that point, really, except for that one kind of lapse where Perusa dribbled around half the half of their team. Um, the uh, there was bad marking in the, in the middle where the two center backs were three versus two, where there were you know two center backs and and I'm guessing a midfielder. I don't remember who the third player was, but you you were you know it was always going to be difficult for those two center backs to um to kind of defend when when you didn't have someone else whether it was one of the fullbacks or or one of the midfielders come back and, and help them um help them in the middle so that's how buck anderson got up and and uh and and he stayed up there on the recycled header right so like everyone started to push up for tormenta but the play wasn't over after after the corner kick because remember this 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 play, for those of you who haven't seen it, that was a corner kick. It kind of, it got half cleared. The the center backs for uh, TFC two stayed forward, and the ball was recycled and came back in from the opposite side. And that's where there was the three v two at the penalty spot that Buck Anderson was able to get ahead on and uh, and and score. Um, so, if anyone, unless anyone has anything else to say about this match, we can preview maybe week eight of USL League One. Let's do it.
with Let's that, uh, the uh, Friday night is OCB versus Toronto FC2. Uh, Muhammad is suspended for this match after his red card this week for serious foul play. On Saturday, full flight of games. I love the fact that we're having all 10 teams in action uh, multiple weeks in a row here uh, for the first time. Uh, Greenville plays uh, is uh, hosts Richmond. Lansing uh, hosts North Texas. Uh, Grant Stoneman of Lansing, however, is suspended for yellow card accumulation. Um, so I, I don't know uh, how Weston will, will feel about that, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Forward Madison hosts South Georgia Tormenta, and FC Tucson hosts the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Um, since you're here, Weston, why don't we talk just a little bit about you know this match? You kind of previewed a little bit that you're um, you know you're looking for a draw, but you know how. Um, I guess, how do you think you guys will line up against a, you know, screaming hot North Texas team? Uh, first off for Friday, OCB versus TFC2. Um, you know, you know the saying, you have a face only a mother could love. This is a game only Jason could love. I- I'm sure he'll be all over it. Um, but <laughs> nobody else will likely be watching. I'll, I'll watch. Actually, actually, you know, the, the, the reverse fixture of this actually was not uh, – it was not a terrible game to watch really. It was, it was, it was pretty fun. I mean, OCB – OCB like possesses really well, and then they make these like really sophomoric errors. Which, given that most of their team, I mean, they have uh, the youngest team in terms of average age. It's under twenty years old. They're the only team with with a uh, you know nineteen handle for their uh, for their team. Um, you know, they make the mistakes you'd expect a nineteen year old to make. Quite frankly, um, you know, you don't expect a twenty three year old to make those same mistakes. So they have to learn. Um, and you know, given given that uh, this is you know OCB's development platform, you know, you expect them make the mistakes here you don't want to make them when you wind up uh playing for the senior team so let's hear uh this excuse though why lansing uh is going to leave but but north texas isn't good so, so stoneman and fricky have played every game uh the only the only uh rotation in the back line thus far has been kyle carr coming in for kevin koifik when he was a little hurt i believe um we did sign malcolm stewart um uh, don't know tons about him because we still haven't seen him play. Because I, I haven't seen anything no, about it, him. I thought he'd play because we've played so much. We've played like five games in two and a half weeks, and, and I thought we'd see him. But there had been no rotation. So uh, maybe Nate still get him in the system. Maybe oh, uh, Reese Williams. Because there's no Stoneman. Yeah. Uh, or maybe uh, I, I wonder if Reese Williams will drop down. He, he was advertised as a fullback. He's been playing wingback. Uh I won't be shocked to see him. Uh, Kyle Carr could jump down there, but honestly, I didn't think he looked as comfortable there. Um, I thought he struggled a little bit against Richmond. Um, so I will uh, – I'm guessing Reese Williams. I might be wrong, but I, I, Reese Williams has that background. I'd feel comfortable with him back there. Um, I think the you know Stoneman's a big loss, though. He's, he's probably the best backline player on this team, although Koifix come on pretty strong lately. Uh, but said, I still think it'll be interesting for Texas traveling – Dealing with the the pitch, uh, you know, dealing with the more opposing fans. We'll we'll see. Uh, no Pepe definitely helps, but I, I still think it'll be a draw. Jason, uh, the one match that you'll be focused on this weekend. I like that uh, Ford uh, Tormenta match. I think uh, Tormenta on the road against their, their their complete opposite teams. Whereas Ford is going to play slow and build it up and. Tormenta kind of wants to just take that ball and hit them on the counter. Um, so I see this game either being a blowout or being a zero-zero draw. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I think if Tormenta gets on 
on the board first, I don't think that Ford's going to be able to keep up with them. I don't think that Ford wants to play that game. Um, so I think uh, Ford's best chance is to hold possession and then try to score one in the second half, which they've done for seven of their eight or, or um, eight of their ten goals now have been in the second half. So they're definitely a second half team. Um, but yeah, also Ford's going to be well rested because their low knee players didn't play tonight. Um, where in the Tormenta as well, though, because they didn't play tonight as well. So yeah, it'll be a fun game. All right, and I'm going to be watching the Greenville Richmond match. I think both of those teams, after their U.S. Open Cup losses this week, will want to redeem themselves in the league. Uh, Richmond's on the road, however, so uh, you know Greenville will will be at home again. But uh, you know that that's a bus trip for Richmond. I think um, it's not uh, it's not particularly particularly far. All right. So very quickly, I know we're running a little bit long here, but Jason, uh, in case you don't know, at bgn.fm, you can not only get great podcasts like Capital Combustion and our podcast and River City 93 uh, talking about the Richmond Kickers, but you can also get written content. So um, I'm putting out a deep dive tactics on the Richmond Kickers this week, actually, but Jason put out his best 11 for weeks one through six of USL League One. So the first, call it quarter of the season. Jason, uh, there was one or two players maybe that uh, that were a little bit iffy, but obviously Connor, uh, you know, Antley being player of the month was was in there. Um, you know, who, who was the hardest when you wrote this piece? Who was the hardest player to leave out of that starting eleven? It, it was Joe Gallardo. Like no, no, like him and Coutinho, uh, I think, are the two that you you look at and the, him and Coutinho especially because they're so similar and they're playing and like the statistics were so similar everything from they had the same amount of created chances I think they had the same like passing percentage they had the same uh tackles and inters- it was just wild but the difference was I went with Marco Micheletto uh in that position just because defensively where he is on the field right he's the one that starts a lot of these Tormenta counters and he's the one that finishes them and I think that he's just more valuable to the team. He's more valuable as a player because you can trust him to go back 50 yards and recover. You can trust him to play as a midfielder and try to do hold-up plays, whereas with Joe and Coutinho, they're more of keep them in the final third and they'll make magic happen once they get the ball. So that was my that was my hardest decision to make and definitely got feedback from the Richmond fans. If you want to have Joe over, that's fine. But I'm telling you now, I think that, Marco is more important for what he does as a player than Joe. There's many creative players in this league. I don't think that there's anybody who can really recreate what Marco is doing. And I'm sure the the Red Wolves would think that either Beatty or Zayed should be in there, maybe instead of Ricardo. Oh, Beatty was. Oh, oh, Beatty was. Oh, that's right. That's right. Beatty was on the Beatty road. Was. Yeah, so maybe Zayed and instead of Pepe. Yeah, uh, Zayed missed three Twitter conversation. About that too. Marco didn't miss three point blank shots in front of the goal, so <laughs> they're taking that out. And Weston, anyone uh, who you think that Jason should have had on here? Uh, well, first off, I just want to say it's a very well researched, well done article. A, a mix of uh, gifs or is it gifs? I, I always I always GIFs. say it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> a nice mix of that of you know some good educational stuff, some great stats, great article, Jason. Really enjoyed it. Nice work. Everyone should read it, especially if you're listening to this. Uh, just out of principle, I, I don't necessarily have a replacement lined up, but putting Poppy in there, I mean, you know, it's like you know, I I, I look at NBA first team, second team, third team every every year. 
Like, if you don't play a certain amount of games, you just can't be in. I'm sorry. It's just you're you're not having that same impact. You know, I'm not putting Kawhi Leonard in my NBA first team when you sit out for, like, 25 games. You just can't do it. So that's my only disagreement, but it was a great article. All right. So, hey, Weston, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I think you'll be back next week as well as we rotate some of our some of our hosts. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so just follow me on Cap Combustion. I guess if you want to follow my personal page, it's uh, Weston Shelton. It's spelled with an E, but uh, that's more – basketball and other stuff so you probably don't want to follow that um also i just want to quickly say that uh elma is in the hospital and he is conscious and has movement in all extremities and is in good spirits according to the uh lansing twitter page so he's doing okay uh we'll see how the recovery goes but yeah cap combustion that's probably the main place you want to uh, follow me at jason where can people find you follow me at home sweet soccer uh i will be like the nerd I am tweeting about all the games as they happen and writing articles that uh, people are going to argue about. It's what I love doing in life. (laughs) Hashtag spicy takes. Uh, So as we are talking, it's the 76th minute in the, um, in the forward Madison versus El Paso locomotive match is now three nil. So like we have at least one USL league one team advancing to the third round of the United States open cup. Uh, I should say, uh, brand it properly, Lamar Hunt, USO. <laughs> <laughs> With that, I'm Ira Jersey. I can be seen, reached at Ira Jersey on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, MLS, and much, much more. Thank you to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice to get your custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And of course, also thanks to Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, ULS, USL, excuse me, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And Surprised you didn't ask me to do the Roughneck Scarves ad read. That's my specialty. Is it? <laughs> Look at you just trying to come in and take over. Wow. <laughs> I've bought more than more than my fair share of Roughneck Scarves in my day as well. So please feel free, Wes, and do it. <laughs> oh, if you haven't heard it on, the, on my podcast, it's pretty I intense. So I, I hope you're ready. <clears throat> Thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Now now I know (laughs) thoroughly why Capital Combustion is the favorite podcast of all juggalos in (laughs) the United States. Thank you for that. I'm I'm, going to edit mine out and put yours in there, Weston. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a great night, and uh, we'll talk to you next Wednesday at 9 o'clock.